On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The absolute imperative that the K-12 experience has got to be a lot more flexible. The role of education in developing a strong workforce has changed over time, and some Iowa programs are leading the way. The Midwest economy continues to recover if a new survey on the topic is any indication. And you'll hear about a business that has expanded from the owner's garage to six locations in three states. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of November 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Partnerships continue to help build a skilled workforce that fits the changing global economy. Change, however, can be hard. In mid-October, U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos spent a day in Iowa seeing firsthand two unique projects in Pella and Sioux Center. She told me what she learned on the visit. The purpose of the trip was really to see firsthand some of the terrific opportunities that uh, Iowans are creating for career readiness and uh, career pathways. Visiting Vermeer Manufacturing, where they have a tremendous uh, apprenticeship, work-based learning program there. And then uh, Dort University to look at their two-year career tech um, program that allows for students to earn certifications and uh, associate's degrees while having an on-campus uh, living experience. And it was uh, it, both of them really, really uh, creative and really addressing the needs and opportunities for Iowans. This is part of an evolution, is it not, so that the K-12 system can be even more responsive to ultimately career needs of young people? Absolutely, and we're seeing more today than ever before uh, the absolute imperative that the K-12 experience has got to be a lot more flexible and nimble and uh, really forward-looking at the opportunities that uh, young people need to be prepared for. And uh, just the other day, I visited a really interesting career and technical program school in North Carolina that uh, was a cooperative effort by surrounding communities and districts, and it had multiple pathways for high school students to explore and learn from while in high school so that when they, when they graduate, they have a much better handle on what it is that really excites them and energizes them. There are some who are concerned that if, for example, Dort University, a four-year college, if they start doing too much, I'll call it tech-oriented, they call it pro-tech, I guess, there in Sioux Center, if there's too much of that education, then everybody will be doing everything and no one, no educational facility will be successful, including community colleges. What's the rebuttal to that? There is a great opportunity for higher ed institutions to really rethink how they're preparing students and what their programming is that is relevant for students and opportunities today. And I think, you know, this, uh, this pandemic is bringing that into focus more now than ever before. You know, before COVID hit our country, we had almost 7 million jobs that were going unfilled. 
um, most of which did not require a four-year college degree. And uh, there's, there's continued to be this mismatch around preparation coming out of high school and exposure for young people to a wide variety of opportunities. Well, a lot of those, uh, those realities are coming into much clearer focus today. And uh, the higher ed institutions that uh, really get in front of that curve and are responsive to the needs and opportunities and adjusting their programming and what they have to offer are the ones that are going to be long-term successful as institutions. You visited the Vermeer Corporation, which is a fantastic story in and of itself. How unique are some of these programs that are funded by Future Ready Iowa, the business and governmental partnerships that you saw when you were in Iowa? You mentioned a a tour to another state recently, but how unique are some of these Iowa opportunities for the citizens here? Well, I think they're really great models for other states and other regions to uh, study and emulate, frankly. And uh, the work uh, between public-private um, sectors in, uh, in, a, in a situation like at Vermeer um, in Tella is, is just one great example. And um, your state leadership, uh, you know, Governor Reynolds and all of uh, the leaders in Iowa have been very forward-leaning into the career and technical readiness for students while in high school. And that is, uh, that is you know, actually, you know, middle school is where young people really need to have exposure to what all the opportunities are to give them a much broader picture for what their future might look like. We know that making things and creating things is at the core of what makes America great. And we are, we are seeing across the country uh, a renewed focus and energy around those kind, creating those kinds of opportunities and bringing those opportunities back to communities where talented people are looking for uh, just that kind of opportunity for themselves. Uh, American ingenuity, American creativity, and creating opportunities for all Americans. And the focus on that and the focus on uh, bringing, making sure industry has every opportunity to make and create and build what they have to offer right here in our country and, uh, and send it to those around the world that uh, need and want it, relentless focus on that has been uh, to the benefit of everyone. Talk to those who are listening who are saying, well, now, wait a minute, that's not really what education should be doing. Education and the Department of Education should be much more about book learning as opposed to the the vocational side of things. Well, education, in, in, in our view and the whole administration's view, really should be a lifelong pursuit. And uh, the education experience, as most know it today, has been uh, very consistent and very, um, I, I would say, in many cases, uncreative for the last number of decades. We see now that education has got to change and has got to be a lot more flexible and nimble and able to respond to well, the realities that we are, are, are living in today. Um, every other sector of our economy has changed and iterated over the last two or three decades as technology has become more ubiquitous. But education has been very much stuck in uh, a similar place to what it was 50, 60 years ago. 
education is important for everyone to pursue, but the important thing is that every individual be able to find the right pathway for him or her to be prepared for what it is that they are wired up to do and what they're passionate about contributing. How hard has it been to buck the trend? As you say, this has been more than a half century in the making, and there are some rather powerful interested forces who would like to keep the status quo. Well, there are. There, there are very powerful forces that are focused not on doing what's right for students, but uh, more on adult issues and adult, uh, you know, adult jobs. And this, you know, the pandemic has brought into focus, particularly in K-12 education, the absolute imperative that K- the K-12 experience has got to be more customizable, more personalized, more flexible, and more nimble for every student. We see families today who are, because their, you know, their school is not responding to the needs of their family that are taking things into their own hands by creating essentially micro schools or pods or one-room schoolhouses and uh, homeschooling consortiums, um, a lot of different creative solutions. But the heartbreaking thing is not every family has that opportunity because they don't have the resources which is exactly why President Trump and our administration have been championing the School Choice Now Act at the federal level, which would create opportunities for families and states to make those choices and take resources to the learning experience, learning opportunity that is right for each child. U.S. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. We spoke by phone on Friday, October 30th. Still to come, some very positive economic numbers and how one family's small business has grown over three decades to employ hundreds of workers across Iowa and beyond. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more... Click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. You may have missed it with all the election news in the past week, but the latest monthly Mid-America Business Conditions Index hit a 16-year high. The monthly survey of business leaders in Iowa and eight other Midwest and Plain states is conducted by economist Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton University the leading expert on the Midwest economy who you've heard on this program in the past. The October number was 70.2. That's up from 65.1 the month before and the sixth straight month of an increase in the index. Of course, the COVID pandemic dropped the index in April to its lowest level in 11 years. Recall that any number above 50 suggests positive growth, and the current number is 70.2. Now, while that overall number is good, Dr. Goss cautions that current output in the regional and national manufacturing sectors remains below pre-COVID levels. Three out of four supply managers surveyed reported continued negative impact from the coronavirus. And even more, 78.6% report shortages of qualified workers to fill open positions. 
Ernie Goss says an expanding manufacturing sector, the federal stimulus plan, and Federal Reserve monetary incentive programs all supported the continued increase in index numbers. The Mid-American Business Conditions Index is a mathematical average of indices for new orders, production or sales, employment, inventories, and delivery lead time. By the way, Iowa outperformed the regional survey. The Iowa index was 78.7, up from 67.1 the month before. Coming up, the next time you feel a draft in your home, you'll wish you'd called this Iowa-based business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, you'll meet Kevin Kinsler, co-founder of Kinsler Construction Services. The company is based in Ames and is a great example of how one idea, with appropriate innovation and initiative, can grow into a series of related businesses. Our primary core business is uh, the insulation business. We sell a lot of building materials, the drywall, steel studs, acoustical ceilings, so we're in the distribution uh, business of all those type products. How we started, we started out in the drywall business install, 1984. I was a professional firefighter, uh, worked a 24-hour shift off a couple days. So we'll probably heard that story of somebody who has a gap in time or kind of at that time, the, the firefighting job paid for groceries and that's about it, but it gave us a consistent thanks. We, uh, my wife, Yvonne, and I started the business in our garage, drywall install, and it kind of morphed from there. We were uh, about 10 years running it from home and then built our first building 10 years in a 10,000 square foot pole building in a village of Ames, Iowa. So that's how we started. How many people do you have working for you these days? Uh, today we're about 250 through uh, uh, multiple locations in Iowa and uh, Colorado and Texas. So when you were running it out of the garage for 10 years, you obviously had other locations uh, or storage facilities, I assume, or else you've had a massive growth in the last uh, <laughs> just couple yeah. of decades then. We have had a lot of growth. At that time, those early years, yeah, we I had about a 4,000-square-foot uh, pole shed on that, on that acreage that we started with. And um, for a number of years, our uh, housing, we, I was kind of became a master at leasing corners of parking lots uh, in strategic places MIs in and out with building materials in them, throw padlocks on them. Guys could back up to them, load trucks, that type of thing. So we were, um, I always tell people, you probably knew, never do better in business than those lean, mean years of getting started low overhead and extremely efficient, but it, uh, it worked well for, uh, and of course, Iowa being very rural uh, in general, we've, uh, it wasn't very long. We were doing work throughout uh, most of the upper Midwest. And so it was easy to, it was nice to be nimble and uh, react to where the, the work was. We do a lot of agricultural work, uh, insulating buildings and supplying to buildings. So that course is all over the country from, you know, the Canadian line. We'd go up through North and South Dakota and we'd go, like, as I said, all the way to Texas. So. I just love the image of that where you load a trailer, you park it in the corner of a parking lot and whoever your guy is who's going to work doesn't go to a main building, just goes to the parking lot, hooks up and takes off. 
that that has to be a lot of fun when you're building this thing. What gave you the impetus other than the fact that as a firefighter you'd work 24 on and maybe 48 off or however yeah. so you had the time but still a lot of guys wouldn't take the jump, take the leap. What led you and your wife to decide it was a good idea? Well, great question. I you know maybe God's grace I guess maybe a little bit, you know, just uh truly I, I give him the credit but uh that being said we we definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit, enjoy that, enjoy serving. I, I To this day, I, I just love solving problems, solving customer problems, and then love to have, I would say our organization today is really, um, that's our that's our roots, uh, the people around us and the, the wonderful uh, uh, folks and the team that I get to work with love solving customer problems. So to answer your question there, that really the driving force really has been the customer. Um, if you spend much time with me, you'd figure out I'm pretty simple <laughs> in that um, you know, pay attention, listen when a customer, if you can listen to them and they got something going on and they uh, give you a hint to a problem or a challenge they have. And I just always thought it was a nice, it's somewhat of an art form. I think for people, obviously even people in great that are great in sales usually are great listeners and, you know, great people at asking questions because sometimes it takes the third question to get down under the skin enough to find out what might really fix it. Logistics issues. We became very, very good at at solving those. We um, developed some of our own equipment, did some creative things with trucks and hydraulic uh, motors, driving blowers and those kinds of things. We, we set up a tractor, you know, tractor trailer rigs where the semi tractor drives a hydraulic motor that was hooked into the transmission of the tractor to drive the, the mill that's in the, the trailer. You know, those kind of things are not, they're not uh, super complicated, but they really solve the problem. So there were things like that. Today we have a, a business, uh, a sister business bolted to us where we service uh, do-it-yourself insulation blowers for all of North America, for example, for Home Depot and Lowe's. We we lease into that. And again, it was a customer-driven problem. Had a supplier come to me, say, hey, we're having a heck of a time keeping these machines running. They're do-it-yourselfers. You know, if you decided, uh, Jeff, you were going to insulate your garage this weekend, you'd go to Lowe's and rent one of these small blowers. You see, they're little electric blowers. And again, it was just try to figure out a way to repair these things, kind of where it comes from. It's one thing to say some of what you have developed, what you're talking about developing, isn't very complicated. But it still takes a certain mindset to see a problem and be able to troubleshoot it mechanically, where so many others would just simply say, well, I have no idea how to do this without six different machines, etc. What is it, do you think, that leads you to think in a more efficient way? Is this something that you've had all your life, this, this inclination? Yeah. Well, great question. I think... I would say that uh, I think if yeah if you think about it you know you know you obviously do this you inter- interview you know lots of people in business we all do it's not to say one's one's a right model or not but there are a lot of businesses we all kind of know those people in the categories where it's like oh call so and so they'll figure out a way right they'll they'll run at it and then there are other business folks who go no this is my this is what we do you know we stay in this hallway we stay in that so I think there's something to maybe answer your question that. I've always been on the side of that, really, really loving. Uh, uh, you know, always wanted the company to grow. I felt like that—that's an opportunity for to get good people. I always feel like if if, if the, the people that work here and with me and with us um, see that going on, it, they they know they got opportunity and a place to go. So that's a good piece of it. But the uh, the part of it to go, I go. If you get more excited about a customer calling in and saying, Hey, could you figure out a way to do this? Or you go, Oh no, we don't do that. I think that's the why in the road right there. What, what, what makes me want to do that? I, I'm not sure. I, I love it. I do know this from a business model that 
that's usually where the money is uh, in solving that big problem. So maybe that's, again, a very simple answer to that. Uh, the things I've always thought, the things that, that are very, very easy to do, lots of people do them and do them well many times, but uh, things that are more creative, uh, take a little more risk, maybe take a little more capital, pick your formula, so to speak, um, obviously t- tend to pay a little better too. So, and yeah, you take a risk. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think the the fun of being creative in that category and trying to continually add to what we do. Now, we're talking a family-started business, but this has grown with regard to family, right? You're looking at this as being a multi-generational business for your family. Uh, correct, correct, yeah. Uh, Tanner now is our president and CEO, and uh, he does all the hard work, you know, as I tell everybody in the in the in a lot of the day-to-day battle. We, I'm uh, still very active in the business and chair chair with the board and, the, and work with our staff uh, weekly and all that kind of thing. Still love solving the problems. Still love getting involved in the big customer challenges and problems. Maybe the gray hair helps a little bit with through what we can do well there, but really, really enjoy that part of it. But yeah, you're exactly right. And we, we have, we did become an ESOP a couple years ago, just on the front end of starting that. So now we can tout that our employees are starting to, they, they have that opportunity to buy stuff. Again, we have a lot of very long-term folks, so it's a, it's a way now to let that next generation that's behind me and my son's age and down be able to um, grow roots here and hopefully have a, a long-term opportunity. Kevin Kinsler of Kinsler Construction Services. The company was founded in Ames and now has additional locations in Ankeny, Waterloo, and Cedar Rapids, as well as Denver, Colorado, and Tyler, Texas. Learn more by going to their website, insulation.net. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.